0: You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the Church, the Word, and our risen Saviour, Jesus Well, it is Friday, Jay, and we are back in the booth. Welcome back to our listeners and another episode of the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. How are you this week?
1: I'm good this week. It's good to be back. I had a great week in Chicago with my team and really enjoying my new job and looking forward to this conversation today.
0: Same. And the the conversation today, Jay, before we pray us to get us in, was actually stemmed from a conversation that I had with one of my senior leaders, where he said to me, huh, I don't think that's a hill worth dying on. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder if we could use that this Friday. And I'm sure for all of our listeners, we understand that term. But before we jump into this conversation, Jay, would you pray for us this morning and the podcast? Yeah, Lord, thank
1: you for bringing us back together. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about you and your kingdom and to help men find ways to re-engage, to celebrate their first ministry, their wife and their children, to find their identities and to rest in you, and be on mission, and show up at your door in the end to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, so we just ask you to guide this conversation and and take hold of the conversation between Chica and I, and may it be beneficial and bountiful for all those that listen, as it is beneficial and bountiful for us. It's in your name that we pray.
0: Thank you, Jay. Amen. Okay, so hill worth dying on. Just think of those words for a minute. A hill worth dying on. So I'm on a hill, And is this hill that I'm standing on worth dying on or dying for? If we pull that back for a second and we think of the etymology or the history of that phrase, when I was doing a little bit of research, there are a couple of different arrows that point back. One of them was back to the Persian Wars, the Spartans, right? And there's a famous story within the Spartan War whereby the last man standing was on a hill and it was worth dying for for the cause. And then, of course, when we bring it back biblically, We all have our Christ and Savior that died on a hill for the beliefs and for the the human soul and mankind. And so in today's conversation, Jay, we're not talking specifically about Jesus dying on a hill worth dying for. We are speaking about our behaviors in the flesh and also as believers and spiritually, you know, what are some issues, what are some um Theological debates? What are some behaviors that we have at home, at work, that are worth dying for?
1: Well, I think men are designed to be missional. And so we love to have a battle to fight. So we look for those battles. And I think the broader question you're asking, which is one to me that speaks of wisdom, choosing where are we going to keep our powder dry and where are we going to take the fight? So, to speak. So, that example you were using about the king who defended the ridge to the last man, that was a hill worth dying on because those Spartans were trying to give the Greeks time to flee before the Persian Empire came waving down upon them. And one of the great sayings that I love from that period of history is that the Persian general says to the leader of the Spartans, lay down your weapons. And the Spartan leader says, come and get them.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: That is when you know a man has made a decision. This is a hill worth dying on. And wow. so I think, I think what you're speaking about to me is wisdom because I think a lot of men, we, we make that statement, come and get them. And then we look around at the hill and we're like, this was the hill you wanted to die on? We this mm. hill? Mm. Uh, and what did you miss while you were off fighting on a hill that really wasn't worth dying on? What did you miss? What opportunity? what mission from god what opportunity to love others or have an impact in the world that would have been far more beneficial
0: gosh it really speaks to having a firm foundation right because if you don't understand our foundation that we're standing on as believers as husbands as partners as as partners in crime in the workplace like if you don't understand and you've just come off a purpose vision values week at, at work right if you don't understand what purpose what vision what values you have and you are you are running for boy, that hill becomes slippery very quick. Or to your point, you look around and it's a very small hill that maybe was not worth dying for or dying on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, it's a great point you're making. And the Bible says we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Jesus says he wants to be with us all the time. But if we're driven by our emotions and we get hot about something and we don't ask the question right before we tear into the battle, Jesus, is this a hill worth dying on? whether that's a discussion with our wife or a colleague at work or whatever it is you know we can tear off down the mountain to go fight or up the mountain however you want to say it and Jesus was would have said nah don't die on that hill don't die on that hill that ain't worth it and he will help us with that but we so often fail to ask
0: so jay if if I'm a listener right now and I'm a new believer and I'm looking across my desk at this brand new bible that I have that is very thick and I'm listening to two dudes sitting in their offices, in their basements, in their houses, and talking about a firm foundation. And, I, and I've heard a worship song called that, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's just so big. Where, where do I start? Like, how do I, what, what, what do you guys mean, firm foundation? Jay, what would be your advice to that new listener?
1: Well, Psalm 1 is a good place to start. If you go look at Psalm 1, it talks about a tree rooted grows, the tree that's unrooted tips over in the storm. And then Jesus picks that up in the gospels. And he says, a wise man builds his house on rock and stone, not on sand. And you go, okay, that all makes sense. Well, what's the rock? What's the stone? And Jesus says, it's me. If you're a believer, you build your life on me and the promises I've made, the way I want you to live and let me live through you. And then I think you got to go to places, and we talk about it a lot here, like 1 Corinthians 13 or in Ephesians or in Romans, where you know they lay out how do you live that way. And it's love and it's patience and it's kindness and it's asking Jesus how to engage with people, how to engage with issues. I think that's that's where you gotta start. You have to find your identity in him. And if we don't come to identify with him and his life, his risen life as our life, then we are gonna take. We are going to take hills that God would have been like, I don't really want you over there. And then in retrospect, years later, we're going to say to ourselves, gosh, I really wish I wouldn't have spent any time on that hill. That wasn't worth dying on. That's uh, Jesus would much rather help you avoid those hills in that retrospection than have to sit through that later. Ultimately, he'll work it all out for our good, but we do miss out on other things he had for us. When we take hills, he has no intention for us to fight on.
0: Wow. Really well said, Jay. What about for the rediscoverer, the, the man or the, the woman that's listening to this podcast that, that was brought up in the house of the Lord and maybe gave their, their life to Jesus in middle school camp and then went to college or, or found another path and now is coming back to rediscover their biblical manhood in this case. What would be a firm foundation that you would suggest to them jump back into? Because they've got a little bit more of a foundation than a brand new believer, right? They understand the stories. They understand Jesus. How would you rehook or, or have them re-engage with their foundation?
1: Well, I know for me, the helpful question to ask is, Jesus, what are you doing right now? And what should I be doing as a result of that? And in the present moment all the time, seeking out those questions. Because that's, to me, the whole ballgame. We get off on our own mission, our own little story, that self-centered story. And we're building a kingdom that's far off the path we were supposed to be on. So new believer, not a new believer, returning believer. I know all I can speak to is my own experience. I take a lot of hills I have no business being on. (laughs) And I do it again and again and again. But when I pause and slow down and go, Jesus, what are you doing right now in my life and in the lives of the people around me in my part of the story? And what do you want me to be doing as a result of that? Well, then the right hills to take and the ones that are worth dying on, they become pretty clear pretty fast, at least in my experience. And I don't know for you how that holds true.
0: The last 2 weeks I've had the opportunity to go down to two different events in downtown Atlanta, which is different from where we live about 45 minutes south of of where Jay and I reside right now. And it's interesting, I've gone down with two different groups of people, both believers, but both in interesting walks in their own walk with Jesus and then me as well, you know, knowing the the, the depth and the um the foundation that Jay, you know, I'm trying to set up for my own self and my family and my and my future as well. Um, and so one of them was down to an NBA game, and the other one down last night was down to a musical. And in walking with these people and listening to them in their 45-minute travel down in the car, and then walking through the streets, it was almost like in the car, we spoke a good game. We spoke a great faith and how things should be. But as soon as we got out on the street, it was a completely different ball game. It's like the flesh just took over and Let's go over to this bar or let's just walk past this homeless person quick and not even acknowledge them. Um, Jay, what do you think when, when we're thinking about this idea of hills worth dying on? If the ground level or the foundational piece is to what you said, my identity in Christ, the next level up is probably this level of almost um, I understand Jesus and I'm hooked into Jesus and I'm walking and finding my identity in Christ. But the next level up is, yeah, but I don't believe this, and I don't believe this, and I don't believe this. And therefore, you see this split in almost like denominations across the Christian faith or, or even behaviors when you get out of the car.
1: Well, the king of all sin is pride. And if you break pride down in a nutshell, what is it? It's having it my way, my own thought, my own direction, my own action. And it's fun to believe in Jesus to a point. And then you're like, yeah, but I know better on this thing. I know better on this thing over here. (laughs) And what I hear you speaking to is authenticity and complete submission. The kind of humility that says, I I didn't make myself, I don't actually even know why I'm here, but my maker is willing to talk to me and guide me. My maker is willing to ask me to do hard things. So now imagine that reverse scenario. My wife does this all the time. She, she's incredible at listening and responding to God. And when she doesn't, it really breaks her up. And that homeless example is a good one. So we're we're all out. We're with our friends. We're going to an NBA game. It's all exciting. We just bounced out of the bar and we start to walk and we see the homeless guy. And our flesh begins to recoil, right? That's natural. What would be unnatural, but spiritually natural would be to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do here? You want me to do anything? You want me to walk by? Do you want me to pause and speak to him? Should I lay down some money? Lord, that is your son. That is your daughter laying on the street there. What is it you would have of me? also your son and daughter, and how do you want me to react? That is a totally different lifestyle, and I'm not here to say I live that way. I confess I don't most of the time. I'm trying to. I want to. My raging ADD brain often forgets to, but I, I, I'll, I'll just tell this brief story. My wife and I, about a year and a half ago, we're, were having lunch, and we're talking about something. We're in a restaurant, and my back's to the window and the door, and she's looking out, and suddenly I realize she's not listening to me, which mm. is highly unusual. My wife is like one of the best listeners I've ever met and she's not listening to me. And suddenly she stands up and she sprints out the door and I'm like, what just happened? And I turn around and I see her run across the, the, the quad and she gives money to a woman. And then she comes back in and sits down like nothing happened. And I'm like, what just happened? And she said, the woman came in with her two children. She was a food delivery driver and she was picking up food at the restaurant to deliver it. And Jesus told me I needed to give her a hundred dollars. She's very tired. And I was telling Jesus, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then I started sweating and then I just had to get up and go because here's the key. Not obeying him is Mm -hmm. not worth it later. That was a hill for her worth dying on the, the embarrassment of getting up and sprinting out of a restaurant and running across the quad at a gallery of stores, that all, risking all of that, running up to this woman was all worth it to her. Wow. That was a hill worth dying on versus the, the shame of like, what are you doing? You're kind of weird. And that's kind of weird. And $100, that's a lot of money. I just tell that story to say, if we all could live our life like that, being that in tune with Jesus, you will know. As a man, what's worth dying on? So bring that back down to you're at work and you've got a coworker who drives you nuts, just drives you nuts. And you continually engage and die on these hills that are. What would it look like if you just said, Jesus, hill worth dying on? How do you want me to interact? Wow.
0: Shame, pride, asking Jesus. Jay, that's, I think you covered actually the next couple of questions I had to you, which was when it comes to politics, when it comes to in the workplace, when it comes to. Um, certain areas, even writing posts, right? Maybe that's a great get, your, get your empty your cup. You know, get on, write the draft, and then pause before you hit send and ask Jesus, is this a hill worth dying on before I put a a permanent post out there into the internet? Jay, what about when it comes to um people knocking on your doors? And we've all probably had this experience before. Wes, a, a, a faith group of some description, it doesn't matter which description, knocks on your door. What would you do then? Is that, is that another ask Jesus? Do I invite these people in? Do I stand and judge them or, or, or theologically debate them? Like, How do you approach that?
1: You know, it's funny. The older I get, and I feel for the folks listening, they're going to be like, really, dude, really? But I, I think actually everything is an ask Jesus. And the better we're getting at that, you talked about I was up at that conference this week with my team, and we were going through identifying our purpose for the company and the mission and the values and the vision. And my flesh wants to take over. I have so much education and training, and I could really lead this. And I did find myself asking the Holy Spirit throughout the conference, okay, where do you want me to go with this? Where do we want to go with this conversation? Those people show up on your porch, and all kinds of things are happening. Your intellectual pride gets up if you're sort of one of those kind of folks, or you want to do this, or you want to do that, or you get nervous. But if you just ask Jesus, like, hey, there's some folks on my front porch. How do you want me to engage with them? He will answer you. He's so kind. He might say, just listen to them, invite them in for coffee want you to debate them and chase their souls. I, you know, converting people, seeing people saved, that's not the mission of humans. That's, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Our role is to be conduits for what Jesus wants to say to people in any given moment. 99.9% of the time, most of us that profess Christ are missing the opportunity to speak for him because we're just not paying attention. We're locked into our smaller story, dying on hills he doesn't need us to be on right now, <laughs> rather than saying... Jesus, what do you want me to do now? It makes for a far more interesting life. I think I read the people that do this. And when I do do it in my own life, it makes for a far more interesting day. I had an experience last week with it and it was incredible. And it's amazing how the Lord will show up immediately, immediately with things to do that are very different than the hill you
0: might've decided to die on. That word pride keeps coming back in just listening to what you shared there, Jay, where <clears throat> whether it's even at home, sometimes with your, your partner, your spouse, even with your kids, we get into these raging debates about our point of view of something, right? Whether it's the the recently released pop song, and we go, uh, is that, you know, or it's the, the, the outfit that your child walks out with, or the stuff that they have hanging in their room, or even as I, I had a quick discussion with my wife yesterday, something that's happening in news or politics, right? And at the end of the day, when the argument is done or the discussion or the debate is done, you're standing there to your point sometimes with sword in hand out leaning on it on top of this hill and you look around and you go, well, that's awesome. I just slain my best friend in the world, my wife, or I just slained my own child's arm off and I look around the hill and I go, but was it worth it? Like, is it worth it? Is the damage that I've done now through this, because now I'm more prideful, I won, right? I was right. Is that truly worth the slice or the tattoo or whatever it is that you want to represent on the person that you're, you're having the debate with? Now, when it comes to spiritual formation and spiritual um, development, Jay, when you think back, looking over your, your children, we'll stay there for a second, your children growing up, what are some of the moments or some of the, the key days or, or discussions that you've had that resonate with you that you say, wow, I'm so glad we did that?
1: Well, that's a great question. There's two proverbs popping into my mind as you talk about all that. One of them is, "Where words are many, sin is not absent, but a wise person holds their tongue." And the other one, which is across the proverbs, is, "Arguing with fools is pretty pointless." So when I think about our children, you know, children are fools. They're fools, especially if they're between the age of zero <laughs> I think our and twenty-five. Kids are listening
0: to this right now. You kids are fools, all y'all.
1: It's not a bad thing. Their brains are developing. But one of the things we did early, very early, my wife had an epiphany. We created what we call the Tarisi family values. And we updated those periodically through the years as the kids grew to make them relevant. But by having them, we gave our kids a foundation. So now, two different conversations. My daughter walks down in an outfit that's not appropriate. One is we can engage the debate and argue and fight back and forth. And we're going we're gonna to have a fight on a hill and somebody's going to get slain. And once in a while that happens, but when Kelly and I are being wise leaders, she comes down and if we just say, oh, we love you, but I'm sorry, that outfit does not fit the Teresi family values, she'll just go back upstairs and change because she knows what the Teresi family values are. We know, and she just adheres to the foundation. Two different ways to handle the same conversation. A lot of times we handle a right. Sometimes we handle it wrong and we engage in the fight. And to your point, somebody's arm gets metaphorically cut off. And that is where you have to ask Jesus. You start getting heated. You're in a debate with your spouse, your friend, a coworker, whoever. God will just talk to you about your mind. and You got to ask him, whoa, how do I slow this down? How do I stop this? Is this a hill worth dying on? And the Lord will drop in with wisdom. He'll, first of all, close your mouth. And then he'll drop wisdom into your mind. And then he'll allow you to re-engage and you can move the hill. And, and this is the challenge of life in this world. We live in a fallen and broken world where our pride wants to move forward to the front and our flesh wants to take over. And the enemy's encouraging that. And the world says, that's what you should do when you're dominant. And life in the kingdom is totally different. Life in the kingdom says, take it down, slow it down, express love. That's so hard. That's hard to do. That takes effort. It takes no effort to just spew out your mouth and swing your sword at somebody. That's easy to do. Slowing down, being silent, Having wisdom, well, these are hard things.
0: Wow. Thank you, Jay. So as we turn the corner here to close out today, let's let's think about actions, listeners. So with everything that we've spoken to, whether shame, whether it be, I said shame like an Australian there, shame, pride, but to Jay's point in his last comments there around wisdom, how are you able, what could you do this week to be more wise when engaging with fellow men? with fellow woman, with your children, right? How can you be wise at work? How can you be wise in the home? And maybe it's a, a big step back, Jay, and when you talked about family values, it's back to the values that we spoke about theologically at the start of the podcast. Maybe that's a reset, maybe that's an audit that we all need to take away this week and say, what are three core values that I as a man, that I as a father, if, you, if you're raising a household, or that I, as a, as a workmate or a work leader, am going to stand on? What are my firm foundation values? And so maybe that's the audit this week. Jay, do you have any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, write them down and put them in your pocket, put them in your phone and look at them throughout the day. If you came into my home office, you'd see little note cards taped to my monitor to remind me of different things that are current in my life right now. Fine. Chica's just showing me one. That's is fantastic. He just ripped it off his monitor. So you have to remind yourself, right, the world, the flesh, and your enemy are competing for your mind share. You have to be purposeful about taking your mind share back to the Lord. And it's not easy to do in a noisy world that, you know, our brains are fried from technology and all of the craziness in the world. How do you bring your mind back to Christ? It's got to be purposeful.
0: Jay, I'm going to pray us out. Listeners, thank you again for a wonderful week on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast, and we'll catch up on our next episode, uh, leading us towards Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for today's conversation, Lord. We know that it's really hard and we know that we're up against a spiritual battle, but we also know that your Holy Spirit resides in us and that if we just pause and ask, it will provide the light that we need to follow. So Lord, this week as we reevaluate who we are as men, who we are as people and the value set that we stand on, Lord, we just ask that you provide open eyes and open hearts and open ears to listen for your word, Lord, as we can reestablish our relationship and identity. We love you so much and thank you for this podcast. Amen.